today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Every single one of them were murmuring and complaining and accusing God of not having enough graves in Egypt to kill and bury them. He brought them out here to kill them and bury them. God takes that pretty serious, and rightfully so. You're not going to believe me? You think that I intend evil against you? You're not going to trust me? Well, then you're not going to taste from the cup of the blessings and promises that I have for those who will. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Do you ever feel like you're on God's bad side? Sure, you're saved, but He doesn't seem to be in your corner. Well, today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that while salvation is certain, the blessings of God are conditional. If you want to walk with Christ, then trust is necessary. If there's no trust, then you could kiss his blessings goodbye. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor JD in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. What he's telling these Hebrew Christians that are tempted and pressured to go back to Judaism is, if you do, you're still saved, but if you do, you will forfeit certain things. You will lose, not your salvation, but it will be to your loss if you do. And that's what this passage is all about. What's the first thing they're going to lose and forfeit? Spiritual maturity. This kind of dovetails off of chapter 5, where the writer of Hebrews is lovingly admonishing them, even rebuking them. I know sometimes rebuke can be a strong word. We certainly don't like to be on the receiving end of a rebuke. But in a sense, he's saying to them, you really should be teachers by now. Now, That's important. Why? Because the writer of Hebrews would not say that if they weren't saved. Did you catch that? Let me try to say the same thing in a different way. He's writing to them as saved Christians. I mean, if you think about it, how would you admonish or warn somebody concerning their spiritual maturity if they're not spiritual to begin with? Okay, you're, you're born again. Now you need to grow up in the Lord. He would not say to somebody who's never been born again, you need to mature. Well, you need to be born first. Tell me that made sense, because I, <laughs> that was not in my notes. It makes sense, right? He's talking to them as born again Christians. Otherwise, it would just be nonsensical to start rebuking them and exhorting them to grow up. (laughs) You need to grow up, man. You're so immature. He would never say that to them if they weren't born again in the first place. Spiritual maturity is not even on the table. It's not even a discussion. It's moot. So he's talking to saved Christians. And he's saying, guys, if you go back to Judaism, 
I know you're under tremendous pressure to go back to Judaism. If you do, you're going backwards, not forwards. You know what's going to cost you? It's going to cost you growth, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. That's what you're forfeiting. If you don't move beyond these elementary teachings, you're forfeiting that. That's what it's going to cost you. It's interesting that he lists six foundational principles. By the way, uh, I'll let you do this in your own time in God's Word, but one of the fundamental foundational principles is Bible prophecy. Don't tell anybody. It's in the list. I'll let you find it. It's your homework. You'll be testing on it next week. Foundational principles that every Christian should understand in order to grow in their faith. You know how it is, and I, I hope this doesn't come off wrong. Uh, I'll do my best. Lord, you'll help me, right, with the Holy Spirit. You know how some people, yeah, they get saved. They're born again. They're going to go up in the rapture. They're going to be in heaven for all eternity. But they got saved like 20 years ago, and they're not mature Christians. They're immature Christians. I mean, just even, it would be a full court press just to have an intelligible conversation with them about the basics, the fundamentals of the faith. They're saved. They just never grew. And that's sad. And that's, again, in chapter 5, we talked about that. I mean, just the picture that is painted on the canvas of what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that it's heartbreaking. I mean, when a baby is born, so adorable. You know, we change our diapers, we, you know, they get nursed and on milk and you know, it's adorable. They're babies. Aww. But I'm not changing their diapers when they're 20. I'm sorry for the illustration, but I think you get the point, right? How heartbreaking would that be? That means they never matured. They never grew. Now, there are cases, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking in the physical sense, obviously. I'm talking in the spiritual sense. This need not be. It comes because there's no moving forward and leaving the basics. And Christians don't build upon them and move on from them. And in so doing, they forfeit the spiritual maturity as a result. Well, here's the second thing that is lost. Not salvation. Blessings. Blessings. Now this is what we're going to spend the remainder of our time on together today, and I'll just kindly ask that you kind of hang in there with me. Again, I'll do my best on this. In addition to spiritual maturity, so too do we forfeit God's blessings. We lose the blessings we don't lose our salvation. We lose out, we miss out 
on the promises of God, the blessings of God. That's what we lose. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. I hope it's not an oversimplification, but the writer of Hebrews is saying that Christians can forfeit of their own volition. This is on them. They forfeit and lose the blessings of God. How? Oh, by doing what the Israelites did at Kadesh Barnea when they lost the blessings of God in the promised land. We talked about this, I think it was back in chapter 3, maybe, maybe chapter 4. Let me just kind of give you the backstory here so you can fill in the blanks. So the Israelites are wandering in the desert. God has just delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, miraculously. To speak nothing of the ten plagues, how about after the Red Sea? Let's start with the Red Sea. I mean so many miracles. God has delivered them. It's believed that it was about maybe two years into this, and they arrive at this place called Kadesh Barnea. It's right there on the promised land. In fact, you're right on the cusp of the promised land that God has promised to give you. And you can even see it. And so what do they do? Well, not so fast. God's like, you're here. Welcome. Aloha. Come on in. Here's the lay. Enjoy. And like, not so fast. We better check it out first. Better spy out the land. It's interesting because they convinced Moses to do it. I believe, in all fairness, Moses was reluctant, but caved into them because of what had happened prior. What happened prior? Oh, his brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, challenged him. His cousin Korah would do the same thing. And I think it took its toll on Moses because they were challenging his leadership. And so he's kind of a little bit, you know, gun shy, and he's a meek man after all. And by the way, for those of you that think he wrote that about himself, Moses, the meekest man who ever walked on the face of the earth. (laughs) You'll notice that's in parentheses in your Bible. That's not really necessarily what he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In fact, some suggest, I know I'm going off here. There's a point to this, believe it or not. I know it's shocking, but uh, it's actually believed that Joshua, Joshua would have been one too, because Joshua was the protege of Moses. And actually Joshua and Caleb were the only two that would enter the promised land because of what happened at this place called Kadesh Barnea. So they convinced Moses to get one from each of the 12 tribes for a total of 12 spies to go check it out first. Let's just, you know, let's just make sure. Yeah, dude, God promised you the land. Just take it, enter in. What, you don't believe? Apparently you don't. Because if you believed, you wouldn't send 12 spies to go in and check it out first and come back with a report. In other words, you're not going to believe by faith, being the substance of things hoped for, promises of God, blessings of God, the evidence of things yet unseen. So you're not going to believe God, and you're not going to enter into the promised land, 
and all the blessings that await. No, not yet. We will, but just want to make, you know, make sure first. Oh, I get it. You guys want to walk by sight, not faith. Because after all, isn't seeing is believing? Actually, it's the other way around. Believing is seeing. But they didn't want to walk by faith. They're in unbelief. They do not believe God. They do not take God at His word. So they send in the spies. They spock out the lamb. Is that how you say it? Spock out the lamb? My wife taught me that. Local girl, you know. So they, uh, 40 days, 40 the number of judgment and testing, by the way, right? Come back. Big, huge grapes. You know, I often wonder about those grapes, and I'll tell you why. Um, My family, my aunt in particular, uh, from the Middle East, uh, when they had come to America, my parents sponsored them into America. They had come from Jordan. And uh, they were talking with this um, American that was there, and the American was very condescending to my aunt. And, you know, like, this is an orange. Do you have oranges in Jordan? Big (laughs) boo-boo. Do we have oranges in Jordan? (laughs) I'll show you an orange. And she went off, "Ah, I wish we had phones with videos. I would have, I would have posted that on social media. It was great. I mean, she went off on her and she said, you have not tasted fruit until you have been to the Middle East. This is nothing. There's no taste. I'm like, whoa, calm down, chill, you know, (laughs) chill out. I mean, she was rightfully upset. And rightfully, because in the Middle East, the fruit is, I mean, delicious. Are you hungry? (laughs) So those grapes, forget grapes here that you get at the store. These were grapes. I imagine they were big. I would imagine they were delicious. It would make the the fruit, the grapes here, look like nothing and taste like nothing. In fact, we have the detail in the narrative that when they came back, it took, and these were not wimps, by the way, it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes, and they come back. And you know what's really interesting? The report they bring is, yep, everything God said, it's true. But, but what? Well, we have a problem. There's big giants in the land. They are so big that they made us look like toothpicks. That's big. Well, that's interesting. Did God lie to you? Uh, I I don't think that uh, there's any kind of misleading here on God's part. You understand that the promised land required battles to enter in. And by the way, this is important because the promised land is not synonymous with heaven. A lot of people get into a lot of trouble when they talk about, man, we're going we're to go to the promised land. I want, I don't want to, I want to go, we're in, I want to go to heaven. The promised land are the promises and blessings of God. If we enter in, 
by faith and believe, we will have those promises that God promised us. That's the promised land. It's not heaven. If that's heaven, we're in deep kimchi. (laughs) Sorry, I'm waxing local for some reason, but... So, 12 guys, 12 spies, and 10 of them come back with what the narrative says was an evil report. Why do you think it would be described with that detail? Because you're basically saying that God can't be trusted, that God is not good. In fact, you're suggesting God is evil. That's an evil report, not a good report. Caleb and Joshua, the only two guys. Could you imagine having a barbecue with these guys? And they're like, you guys, what is the matter with you? We can do this. (laughs) God promised us this. Come on, buck up, buttercup. Let's do it. No, no, I'm afraid. They're big. We're toothpicks. They'll just snap us in two. I'm not going to do it. And then it spread like a virus. A real one. (laughs) Okay, whoa. So, and that's what fear does, by the way. So they started spreading this evil report throughout the camp of the Israelites. And before you know it, every single one of them were murmuring and complaining and accusing God of not having enough graves in Egypt to kill and bury them. He brought them out here to kill them and bury them. God takes that pretty serious, and rightfully so. You're not going to believe me? You think that I intend evil against you? You're not going to trust me? Well, then you're not going to taste from the cup of the blessings and promises that I have for those who will. Only Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they came back and they said, we're taking this land. God promised it to us. It's our land. Let's go. Let's go. You ready? No, not going. You're right. You're not going. And they made the fatal mistake, the Israelites, of bringing their children into it. What about our kids, man? God's going to kill our kids. And God's like, you think, no, your kids are going to go in, but you're not. And so any Israelite over the age of 20 died out there in the wilderness because they wouldn't believe God for the promises and the blessings that he had, they forfeited it. It'd be like winning something and not accepting it. You forfeit it. You lose it. You don't take what is yours that God has given to you. Now, why is this explanation of and context of Kadesh Barnea so important because the Israelites were still saved. They just lost the promised land. They didn't lose their salvation. They were still saved. If you want the typology, again, I hope it's not an oversimplification, 
but they were delivered out of Egypt, a type of the world, slavery in Egypt, slavery to sin, and they were saved. They're saved. But they lost out on the blessings, on the promises. This is not about losing your salvation. It's about losing out on all that God has for you. And all because of fear and unbelief. They would not move forward. In fact, how many times, and this was one of those times, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Shortly after the Exodus, (laughs) of course the mixed multitudes didn't help, but they had this like, one has called it selective memory, and they, they were reminiscing about the buffet in Egypt with the leeks and the onions. And you know, here God is miraculously providing them with manna every day, every morning, all that they needed. And what do they do? You know, I don't want manna anymore. I want meat. I want flesh to eat. And they murmured and complained against God. And God's like, okay, you want meat to eat? I'm going to give you some meat to eat. So what does God do? He said, oh man, our study through the Old Testament, I have fond memories of those nights going through the Old Testament, the accounts, and particularly the the Exodus. And and I found myself, I had to check myself because I found myself doing what many of us do. We're all prone to this. We were quick to, you know, say of the Israelites, oh, I'd never do that. And yes, you would. Yes, you would. So God sends them quail, and they're indulging and gorging on this meat. And while it's still in their teeth, stuck in between their teeth, they die. Why? Unbelief. Unbelief. That's the key, if I can use that expression, that unlocks this. The best explanation that I've ever heard on this is from Dr. Andy Woods, who gave me permission to share this. For those that are interested, we're going to include the link to, actually three links, but one of them is to this video on his YouTube channel. I subscribe to his YouTube channel. This particular video, I was actually back in 2016, is titled, A Solution to Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, Kadesh Barnea. If you don't mind, I'd like to share with you some excerpts from a paper he sent me titled, The Paradigm of Kadesh Barnea as a Solution to the Problem of Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 specifically. Now, you have to understand that the problem is you've got teachers, pastors, teaching that this passage here means you can lose your salvation. And that's a problem, as you might imagine. So here's the solution. Quoting Dr. Woods, the purpose of this paper is 
to show that the difficulty typically associated with this passage is perhaps overstated. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.